Welcome to Account-Based Marketing. This podcast is designed as a collection of conversations with sales and marketing leaders sharing thoughts and practical tips for growing your most valuable customers. Hosted by me, Alicia Linden, founder and CEO at Momentum, the B2B growth consultancy. Welcome to this episode of Account-Based Marketing. Today, CMOs are under huge pressure to drive, facilitate growth against a backdrop of some quite unpredictable market climates. And a question I get all the time is how can marketing leaders work towards objectives like driving revenue when they're balancing such unpredictability and this doubling down on quarterly profits. So it's fantastic to have Malcolm Freed with us today, Chief Marketing Officer at Investec Group. Malcolm, welcome. Thank you, Alicia. Good to be with you. Good to have you. Love for you to kick off uh, with with a bit about you, your role, and um, what you've been up to. So the Investec Group, uh, let me talk about that for a moment, is a financial services company, predominantly in the banking and wealth management spaces. Uh, we are based in South Africa in the UK, with offices in New York, Mauritius, Australia, and Switzerland. What are we up to right now? We are up to trying to battle our way through this phase along with most of our peers in the industry, and it's extraordinarily difficult. You know, one just remembers this, and it's sobering. No one alive today has ever experienced a year like we're experiencing now. Nobody. And in fact, nobody in the previous generation ever experienced a year like we're experiencing now either. This may be in in so many ways unique, and that's a big word in history. And it's very, very difficult, very tricky to navigate a path like this when pretty much everything came at us out of the clear blue sky, very unexpectedly. So that's how we're doing, Alicia, uh, but we will find a way. Brilliant. And you're responsible for marketing across Investec Group, across those regions that you talked about? Correct. That's right. And that would include everything from go-to-market, brand? Yes, of course. Every, everything that falls under the definition of marketing, of which, of course, brand is a part, advertising is a part, comms is another part. Anything qualitative or quantitative that falls under that definition, yes. Brilliant. Well, let's let's talk about growth for a second. I've, I've seen a lot of confusion, if you like, between short-term gains where marketers have got a real focus on engagement, sales enablement campaigns, and then those marketing leaders that are focused on real growth. And and by that, I mean sustainable expansion of existing accounts, new accounts. How how are you thinking about growth? Define that for me. It's a very good question. You know, it sits with us all the time. I think we think very much of retention right now. But let me stay away from those words for a moment. Let me tell you what we are focusing on. As a marketer, we very profoundly believe that our brand, our organization is the sum of absolutely everything that we do. It is not a reflection of the advertising only. Our brand is not a reflection of the sponsorships only nor of any kind of qualitative or quantitative work that we do. It's the function of absolutely everything we do. So in that respect, everybody at Investec is in some way a brand manager. If we believe that to be true, then we feel it's the responsibility of absolutely everybody at the organization to make sure that we have a viable, sustainable business over the long term. So when you say, what is it that we're doing as marketers? Of course, we're doing our particular jobs as marketers, but we do very much share the responsibility across the enterprise to ensure not just that we survive, but thrive coming out of this period. Now, you say, what's our focus? Is it growth? There are certain areas, yes, where we are experiencing growth. Absolutely. Predominantly, I would think that our focus right now is on retaining the clients we have and on growing where we can. 
this doesn't feel like the environment in which to be introducing bold new growth strategies when so many markets are, are tight constricted and in some cases there are markets that are ceasing to exist mm-hmm. so if you say to me what is what is the key focus right now it is on retention and looking for areas where we can reasonably expect to grow sustainably in a market like this and there aren't that many and talking about brand for a second you mentioned that everyone's a, a brand manager and the way that you're thinking about the investec brand is is more beyond brand strategy and, and advertising i've seen many marketing functions mostly invest in in brand marketing where, where does that figure in in your overall portfolio i'm i'm uh, i'm kind of one of those skeptics i think in respect of you know brand and how it's defined for me our brand is what other people think of us not what we think of ourselves what we do is try and position ourselves in order to accurately and truthfully engage with the market and offer the market what we can provide. That is for our clients to determine what our brand is. In other words, what our reputation is and what the reality of us is. So related to that, you know, one every now and again, you know, we, we will meet somebody from let's say an advertising background who will say, you have to spend X million on, on a media plan now because otherwise your, your brand will suffer or you won't build a brand. To your question, I, I simply don't believe that's true. You know, if we believe that a brand is a function of absolutely everything we do, and if we believe that the market, our clients, our customers determine what our brand is, Yes, to some extent, buying a media and having an advertising campaign can put a little bit of gloss on the reality, but there's no way in the world that buying media or advertising is going to set the course of our brand. I'm not sure if that's what you were asking, but that's where I sit in that uh, spectrum. Yeah, I see you know, brand spend outpacing any other form of marketing spend. It's just not. It's it's just not our world. Look, I'm not going to criticise those who, who who spend a great deal in that space because why? Because, you know, for, for those organisations, perhaps it's working really well. But that's that's really not what we do, and that's not what we're planning to do at all. Talk me through, you mentioned retention as a, as a key strategy in, in this current phase. When I talk to um, CMOs that are very aligned to the executive team, aligned to the business strategy as you are, part of their role is about getting the, the executive team, their peers, to really think about their customers at the centre of, of, of their strategies and, and make sure that they're, they're getting sticky, they're, they're driving up revenue and, and margins from, from those customers. Is that something that you're having to bring to the fore or is, is that customer centre Part, part of your culture already. You take it that it's a given that in order to thrive as a business, the customer has to be at the center of that business. How do you ensure you, you stay there? How do you ensure you keep the customer at the center of our business? Your question was, do we as executives have those conversations? Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, we have a view that if we provide an ecosystem that gives the customer at all times or the client at all times at least offers the client at all times that which is most relevant about investing we're doing well because why because um, we're not having to duplicate marketing we're not having to be paying three or four or five or six times for the same client we're able to at one stroke give a client everything that is relevant to the client about everything we do in tandem with that when we're at our best 
we have what we call a very high touch approach, which is a very high level of client service. Of course, a lot of businesses would say this. At our best, we do offer that. And I think the two in tandem give us the opportunity to retain at a very high level. But we don't have ongoing conversations about how it's important to be client-centric, just because for us it's a given. I mean, one of the things that we see is that there's a, a lot of talk around being client-centric, but actually the reality of different departments pulling in different directions is, is happening all the time. So we, we see in our work, you know, sales and marketing teams operating in separate silos, and actually that's something that has threatened or, or thrown off growth strategies where, where an organisation has said, let's really double down on a set of key or strategic accounts. And one of the roles I think marketing can play in that is bringing that customer insight to the fore, um, uniting those teams behind some of those common challenges, whether they're macro market challenges or, or individual account insights that help shift behaviour uh, in the way that your different departments and, and teams are thinking and, and, and behaving from an R&D product development perspective through to um, how they're servicing a particular market. I, I think good points. I would concur with them all. Look, I would say that a couple of things. We ourselves can pretend to be the judges of whether we're client-centric or not, but ultimately the client is the judge. If we are retaining clients and winning clients, we're client-centric. And those businesses that aren't retaining or winning clients aren't. And they can talk until they're blue in the face, but they just aren't. Either you are or you aren't. And, and our view is that the market will be the judge of that. If we're able to sustain our business and grow it over the long term through good times and bad times, we are then client-centric. That sounds almost too obvious to say. But I, we find that when we become too obsessive about this and spend far too much time talking about it rather than providing the service, that tends to be a red light for us. That tends to be problematic. Yeah, yeah, the focus is in the wrong place. And, and thinking about your marketing planning process, Malcolm, uh, you know, a lot of plans have taken a bit of a backseat <laughs> these past six or seven months. There's been a lot of improvisation. How are you thinking about your marketing planning? How are you balancing short-termism versus long-term? What we do as marketers is linked intricately, intimately into what the business is doing. There's nothing to separate the marketing strategy from the business strategy. This is a time where we have to be planning almost from one month to the next, sometimes from one day to the next, depending on what's happening in the world. We, we, we really demand, we, we insist that our people are agile, extremely agile, extremely flexible, and extremely commercial. The emphasis is on being extremely commercial. We prefer our people to think of themselves as investing business people first and marketers second. We prefer our marketers to say what's the objective rather than what's the budget. And if we do those things correctly, if we do those things consistently, then we're in sync with the business and we're delivering proper out. Yeah. Have the, are the team behaving in a, d a different way or is the mix any different now compared to uh, where, where you were two or three years ago? You mentioned this kind of real focus on retention and, and reasonable growth. I'm assuming some of your strategies have shifted. They have. I, you know, I think, Alicia, people have responded to the environment very well and very quickly. Why? Because, uh, you know, I think most of us realize if we're going to make it through this, there's some things which you can control uh, and there are many things which you cannot control. You really have to exercise incredibly strong control over those levers where you have some play. For the rest, you've just got to live with it. You've just got to live with it. Uh, I'll get back to, for example, the extremely low interest rate environment. There's nothing we at Investor can do about the interest rates that the Bank of England sets. We have to work with those. So we have to accept them. There's plenty we at Investor can do about strategies that we are going to put in place to retain and acquire clients, 
about resources that we have, about costs that we're going to incur, about priorities. We can change those, we can move those levers every single day, 24 hours a day. So that's where our focus is, over, over, over that which we can control. It's a complete waste of emotional and intellectual energy to be worrying about stuff that we cannot control. And when you're thinking about your various markets, they're obviously quite diverse in, in terms of their economies and the, your own customer landscape. How are you shaping, whether it's growth for customer retention or, or that reasonable growth that you talked about, how are you shaping different approaches for, for those different markets? We always have to understand, I think, what our clients actually want and need rather than what we can provide. I think the first error we make when we do make this error is to say, we have got this and we'd like to give it to you and, and really you do need to take it. It could be a product or a service. That's a mistake. Um, what we've had to do very, very quickly in this environment is really understand the services that our clients need right now, today. And we've had to adapt in many respects to meet those needs and requirements. Bearing in mind, we're not in the top 10 banks in the United Kingdom. We certainly are in the top 15. We don't have a heavy balance sheet to compete with. We can't make the kind of outsized commitments that an HSBC or a, or a Barclays could make. So we have to compete on, on, a, on a different basis, which makes it even more important for us to be able to tailor what we are offering to what a client needs. Now you're saying in these times, how are we going to retain or grow? It is by trying to anticipate and identify what clients need today in a coronavirus pandemic market today. And it's not what they needed 11 months ago. Very different. And for you, is that about building in those existing markets or is it about expanding your offerings? It could, it's, it's really about both. It's about understanding how to serve our existing clients in a different way because their needs have changed in this market. And it's about looking for new markets that have appeared during this period. It may be for a certain type of lending, which didn't exist, or certainly the magnitude of, of that market didn't exist before. It may be for a certain type of financing that didn't exist 11 months ago. Um, it's, it's trying to be astute enough and front-footed enough to anticipate those markets and to get in at the early stage. Mm -hmm. And what are your team doing specifically, Malcolm, from looking at uh, either retention or reasonable growth? What, what are some of the marketing initiatives or, or focuses that, that they have from, from an execution perspective? I think the, the, the most effective things that we're doing now, that we can be doing now, is to help our colleagues in the business understand our clients' needs and state of mind right now. If we do that, then we help our colleagues make good decisions about where to deploy capital. For any financial services company, you will know, and you know your your colleagues in the business will tell you, the the allocation that allocation of capital is extremely important. Uh, where to allocate it and how much to allocate is a very important decision that any bank or financial company takes. To the extent we can help our colleagues understand that we're doing a good job. Got it. You mentioned earlier about linking your uh, marketing strategy completely in step with the business strategy. And a, a lot of marketing leaders, when, when it comes to measuring growth, measuring impact, you know, we, we've seen things like MQLs, engagement scores, you know, standard marketing metrics that don't really dovetail into the, the same business metrics that you need to align with today. How are you thinking about measurement and how can what would your advice be to other marketing leaders in shaping how they're measuring the impact that, that their teams are delivering. 
Gosh, Alicia, I wish you could tell me what the what the full and complete <laughs> answer is. I don't know, Jetna. I've been doing yeah. this job for a little while. I don't know what the full and complete answer is. I know that in principle we all like to measure things. I know that we like to minimize waste. We I, I know that we would want to focus very keenly on the, the markets and the segments which we believe are markets and segments that work for us. Do we measure everything? Absolutely not. Are we able to? Absolutely not. But we'd certainly like to. And where we can, we do We do try and have measures. It is an imperfect science. I haven't yet found you know, a complete set of metrics that will let, give us full comfort that we, we're doing the right thing everywhere. But at the very least, we like to say to ourselves, what was the objective? Did we meet it? Yes or no? Why did we or didn't we? And can we in some way measure it? Now, because we're in so many client segments across such a multiplicity of different businesses and disciplines, there'll be a different set of metrics for each. Some in truth have very few. And in some, uh, we can measure down to the last client. In certain of our private client businesses, we can measure, we understand what the lifetime value of a client is. We understand what the cost of acquisition is. We can set up an equation that tells us whether we're spending really to, 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 to a number of pounds too much or too little on acquisition. In other businesses, we're not there, but our intention is good and, and, and we do try and measure where we can. It sounds like you are adopting business m- metrics over marketing metrics if you're looking at things like lifetime value and uh, cost to acquire. Where we can measure, we do. It's a function of so many things. I mean, it's a function of you know the robustness of the CRM system. It's a function of what our business developers are comfortable with doing. It's a function of what our clients are comfortable with telling us. There are so many variables. Thinking of, um, we, you know, we're in a, a market that we can't control many factors that you've already touched on and there, there are things that, that we can control. But given some of your goals and objectives as an organisation, what, what are some of the, the threats to your team in being successful? And if you don't want to make it about your team more broadly, how have you seen other marketing functions not achieve what they set out to do because of some barriers ahead of them? Okay, general observations, I think, you know, a, a persistent threat is settling into a state a malaise, an inability to respond or anticipate, number one. Number two threat is believing that we will return to normal and that the world will be what it was like a year ago. We don't believe the world will ever be what it was like a year ago again. Uh, We believe we'll go into the next phase, whatever that is. And uh, if we're going to be really smart, we're going to anticipate the way industries will adapt into that next phase. So that's threat number two. Threat number three is the persistent threat, which is inward looking, navel gazing, believing your own nonsense and not trying to understand the way the world is working, trying to understand or accept that the world is a vast and intricate machine and that we're just one small part of it. And that's a part, I think, from the persistent existential threats uh, that we can't control at all. Those three first things we can control, having self-awareness, and having situational awareness, those things we can control. Existential realities, another pandemic, a third wave, an economic crisis, interest rates, those we cannot control at all. 
Yeah. And how are you helping your team overcome some of the things that they can control? Is it about upskilling? Is it about some of the sprints that you're running and the way the way the team are, are planning or operating? Excellent question. Look, Alicia, it's about constantly keeping people awake and aware um, through challenging and questioning and testing. I'm not talking about shouting and screaming and being silly. Um, it is about an artful proper appropriate ways always reminding ourselves that we're part of a very big world and that we are little pieces in a very vast machine and there are lots of codependencies and we cannot simply do things the way we've always done them you know the art in evolution is in staying at the front end of that arc so that you're anticipating and evolving not in the smartest possible way necessarily, but at least more quickly than most of the competition. If we're going to survive and thrive in the world, we have to evolve and adapt more quickly than most of the competition. That's what we have to do. I think the creature on this planet that has evolved best is something called a, a horseshoe crab, which has amazingly over millennia been able to survive. Why? Not because it's so strong or so big or so anything, just because it's found ways to continue to survive through all kinds of climates and all kinds of changes. Okay. So for Investec, what we encourage our people to do is to have a high level of self-awareness and situational awareness. So we're in a position to anticipate change as it arrives. Ideally, before it arrives, but when it arrives, it's often too late. We've, we've got to be smart enough to know that we've got to anticipate and adapt. Yeah, and does that come from um, constantly being plugged into things like market, customer insights, some of, some of those business data points that we've touched on already? Yeah, very much so. How are your team doing that day-to-day? -day? You've used a brilliant phrase I use all the time, which is getting on the front foot mm. um, and this adapting and, and evolving first. Would love your insights. I suppose, look, I wouldn't, I, I, we, we wouldn't be prescribing to each of our people how, how they have to be adaptable and flexible. We have to say as an organization, because we're a top 15, not a top three or a top one, because we're not the biggest, we have to be the most adaptable. We have to be really quick to adapt. Our organization is only 40 years old. We started with three people in Johannesburg in a small office, three non-bankers 40 years ago. And we're now about 9,000 people on, on various continents. We didn't get here by being the smartest, but we got here by being able to adapt very quickly and putting all of our heads together. So my tips or my encouragement for the people I work with would be in order to have the situational awareness, you have to have an insatiable appetite to learn and absorb about everything you can in the industry. And in order to have the self-awareness, you constantly have to question what you're doing. And you have to be able to know whether it's working or not. You know, within those two broad parameters, people can make their own way and we encourage them to do so. We wouldn't be more prescriptive than that. And just to finish, I'd, I'd love to get your top two or three takeouts to other organizations that are looking at um, their own growth strategies, whether it be retention or growth of, of key accounts. What, what would your guidance be to other marketing leaders? Okay, I'll tell you what I see that I admire. Those organizations which are actually making it through this period successfully and becoming stronger are those which are somehow giving their clients what they need, even at a great cost to themselves, even when it costs a lot of money, even when it costs so much money that profit margins are shrinking and sometimes disappearing. 
And why do I admire that? Because those are the clients and customers who will remember them forever, who will not just stay with them, but who will be the halo that will draw others to that organization in time. So when we come out and go into the next phase, they will get a monstrous dividend from the way they have been behaving. That's 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 what I see and admire. And I've got to say, it's in a reasonably small domain of organizations that are doing this. I, I think really clients, customers will remember us not for what we say, but what for what we do. We won't be remembered for the advertising campaigns. We won't be remembered for the memes and the internet nonsense and you know all the stuff we put on social media. We will be remembered for that which we actually do for our clients and customers, most especially when it's at a certain cost to ourselves. So when, when I look at it, when I say, what's the growth strategy, it's not more complicated for me than that. What are we actually doing for our customers and clients now that will keep them with us and that will make them our even stronger advocates in the future? Yeah. And is there other things that marketing can specifically be doing to create that value exchange? Because some well, that, of that, that is, is what about... marketing is really encouraging business to do right now. That is what I, you know, I, I am talking to my colleagues about. Fortunately, I, I don't have to persuade my colleagues to understand this intuitively. But I would say, you know, right now, such is the depth of this of this crisis that I would push aside lots of the conventional wisdom and lots of the conventional approaches. And I would say, whatever we do right now, we have to we have to do everything we can, everything within our power and even beyond for our clients. That will make us the stickiest that we've ever been. And, and build relationships for the next 40 years. Very much so. That's a true relationship. It's a doing, not saying. Yeah, fantastic. Malcolm, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a really stimulating conversation and you've, you've given me a lot to think about. Alicia, thanks for your time. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thanks for joining this episode of Account-Based Marketing. Join us on November 3rd, where we'll be sharing the latest insights from the Momentum Customer Buying Index. To register, visit wearemomentum.com, and I'll see you next time. This podcast is brought to you by Momentum, the B2B growth consultancy and pioneers of account-based marketing. You can learn more at wearemomentum.com.